Welcome to the 1717 Podcast, a ministry of Roseville Baptist Church with Pastor Jackie Hill. There is no such thing as your truth and my truth. There is only truth and untruth. And Pastor Derek Ambrose. We have to stop searching for truth in our culture when God's already given us the answer. Jackie and Derek answer important questions with the truth of God's Word. In John 17, 17, Jesus prayed, Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. Here's your host, Derek Ambrosen. Hello, everyone, and welcome into episode 62 of the 1717 Podcast. I'm Pastor Derek Ambrosen, and I'm joined by Pastor Jackie Hill. Jackie, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing really good. I'm excited. And last week, uh, after our podcast, we recorded and uh, I was able to go to physical therapy and get cleared to walk uh, with my boot and one crutch now. Nice. So that's a that's another big step forward. And uh, you know this this whole surgery and the the aches and pains I'm experiencing around me. I'm getting older, mm. but I'm only 41, so I'm not quite a dinosaur yet. But uh, I'm I'm getting older, man. Uh, how, how you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. I I walk better than you, so I always can <laughs> rejoice in that. And you know, when we went out to breakfast this morning, I don't have to do quite as much work to help you now with getting your scooter fit into my my trunk and yeah. and all that. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, no no sweat off my back either way. But no life life is good today. Is uh, 45 degrees warmer than yesterday? Yep. Uh, it is just for those of you who don't live in Minnesota. It's still only 28 to 30 degrees today. Yeah. But yesterday I woke up and it was uh, between negative 15 and negative 20. Not wind chill included. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, you've said it before, like a heat wave coming in here in the middle of January, but, uh, I I'm good. want to get right into this. This is actually this, this topic we chose today is one that, uh, has fascinated me for a long time, ever since I was a kid. And oh, when me too. I finally saw this from a biblical perspective, I got like excited, excited because for a <laughs> while I, I struggled with, okay, how do I rationalize this and what I'm taught in school and maybe what science says, and you alluded to it in your your intro with how you're feeling, and that is about the topic of dinosaurs. Yeah, dinosaurs. I love dinosaurs. Dinosaurs. One that maybe a, a lot of listeners haven't thought about for a while because you think you're an adult and that, that those are just for kids, but they matter to everybody because dinosaurs are really cool. But I think one of the things that we struggle with is how or what, I mean, really, what can the Bible teach us about dinosaurs? When were they around? I think we struggle because we grow up thinking and learning that, well, the earth is millions, trillions, whatever, uh, of years old. <laughs> trillions. And, and <laughs> no. yeah, yeah, not trillions. No one says um, that. Very, very, very old. <laughs> and so then you, you go through the science books yeah. and look at, okay, these dinosaurs came during the Jurassic period and the Cretaceous period and on and on, and trying to say, okay, but are they in the Bible? Or is it, if you believe the Bible, you can't believe in dinosaurs and they're just fake? Or is it you believe in science and you try to rationalize the Bible with it, make it work? And so we want to talk through how they work together, and I hope that you guys will find that this will actually be a really helpful exercise. I think one of the the premises that we're rolling off of, we don't have the time to go through it all again, but we've done an episode before where we compared um, young earth versus old earth theory. Right. And yep. and specifically how the Genesis account lays that out. Now, that yeah. that is a fundamental part of this argument about dinosaurs. Absolutely. Um, because yeah. if, if you believe the earth is millions of years old, as opposed to thousands of years old, that obviously is going to radically change how we view dinosaurs. So I would encourage you guys, if you haven't listened to that one, go check out that episode back. We, we did that a while ago. Uh, look at our arguments there, what we believe the Bible would speak about the age of the earth, and that'll set the stage for what we're doing today. So pause, go go back and do that. And then now once you finish that, then you come right back to this one 
and pick up where we are starting off today. So just to give you a definition of dinosaur from dictionary.com, it says reptiles who are now extinct that were the dominant life form on earth for many millions of years. The name dinosaur comes from the Greek words for monstrous lizard. So from dictionary, you have reptiles specifically, very big, monstrous ones, and were on the earth millions of years ago. And now extinct. And now extinct, Mm -hmm. yes. So now we're going to go through a little bit of the dinosaurs mentioned or described in the Bible. And those of you who are saying, wait, there's dinosaurs in the Bible? I didn't see that in Genesis. Well, you're right. You didn't see that specifically in Genesis, but God actually brings it up in another book of the Bible where we see clear definition of but we believe is pretty clearly dinosaurs. So Jackie, kick us off with that. Yeah. So in Job, Job 40, starting in verse 15, it says, Behold now, behemoth, which I made as well as you. He eats grass like an ox. Behold now his strength in his loins and his power in the muscles of his belly. He bends his tail like a cedar. Now that right there is a big hint. We're going to come back there. He bends his tail like a cedar The sinews of his thighs are knit together. His bones are tubes of bronze. His limbs are like bars of iron. He is the first of the ways of God. Let his maker bring near his sword. Surely the mountains bring him food. All the beasts of the field play there. Under the lotus plants he lies down. In the covert of the reeds and the marsh. The lotus plants cover him with shade. The willows of the brook surround him. If a river rages... He is not alarmed. He is confident. The Jordan rushes to his mouth. Can anyone capture him when he is on watch with barbs? Can anyone pierce his nose? So some people will read this and say, okay, well, that's that's like a hippopotamus. That's that's the typical go-to. You'll see that in study Bibles. If you guys have a study Bible, that's generally what's at the bottom. We just just talked about that. Like at the bottom of a study Bible, oh, this is a hippopotamus. There's a big problem here, though. Yep. Uh, It says his tail is like a cedar. Uh, if you if you seen a hippopotamus, uh, their tails are little, thin, small things. Or they're they're hardly even there. Yep. Um. And and so it says very clearly that this thing has a tail like a cedar. And so what this could be describing, particularly talking about big, sturdy legs like bronze and iron, and a tail like a cedar, and it's eating aquatic plants, is some sort of dinosaur that hung out in the water. It could have been something like a uh, brontosaurus or brachiosaurus, mm-hmm. something something like that. Um, could have been another type of dinosaur. Yeah. And you see, like it says there too, a river rages. He's not alarmed. He is confident though. The Jordan rushes to his mouth. So he's big enough, obviously. I mean, from all the other descriptions, but to take the, the weight, the, the impact of a rushing river and, and just be totally cool with it. Yeah. So, um, if you think this is a hippopotamus, you're discounting part of the description for sure. Uh, describing the tail just doesn't fit. Yep. So I, th- I, I'm with you. I think Brontosaurus makes the most sense because as you think through other animals that we know today, there's just not really because even elephant too, right? They have a tiny tail. So there, there's nothing really that we know that would fit that. No. Uh, especially to the size in, in the way that God is describing it here. Uh, so we have to get out of okay, what animals are here and say what animals have we ever known about? And then all of a sudden you look at the the old science book that shows what a Brontosaurus or Brachiosaurus looks like. Could have looked like. And yeah. you're like, oh, that that actually. Fits it out pretty well. Yeah. So behemoth, I believe, is is a dinosaur being described here in Job 40. And by the way, this is God describing it to Job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, next one. The, actually, just the next chapter in Job 41. Uh, so this is kind of split up, but 1 and 2, 7 and 8, and then 12 through 34. It says this. Can you draw out Leviathan with a, fush, uh, with a fish hook? So there's our name, Leviathan, for this one. Or press down his tongue with a cord. Can you put a rope in his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? 
Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hand on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. I will not keep silence concerning his limbs or his mighty strength or his orderly frame. Who can strip off his outer armor? Who can come within his double mail, as in male armor? Um, Who can open the doors of his face? Around his teeth there is terror. His strong scales are his pride, shut up as with a tight seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They clasp each other and cannot be separated. His sneezes flash forth light, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning torches. Sparks of fire leap forth. Out of his nostrils smoke goes forth as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. His breath kindles coals, and a flame goes forth from his mouth. In his neck lodges strength, and dismay leaps before him. The folds of his flesh are joined together, firm on him and immovable. His heart is as hard as a stone, even hard as a lower millstone. When he raises himself up, the mighty fear, because of the crashing there, bewildered. The sword, oh, excuse me, uh, the, yep, the, sword, the, the that, sword that reaches him cannot avail, nor the spear, the dart, of the, or the javelin. He regards iron as straw, bronze as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. Sling stones are turned into stubble for him. Clubs are regarded as stubble. He laughs at the rattling of the javelin. His underparts are like sharp potsherds. His, he spreads out like a threshing sledge on the mire. He makes the depths boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a jar of ointment. Behind him, he makes a wake to shine. One would think the deep to be gray-haired. Nothing on earth is like him. One made without fear. He looks on everything that is high. He is a king over all the sons of pride. So this this thing is wild. And unfortunately, a lot of study Bibles will say the Leviathan was a crocodile. But you can see maybe at the first part where they come up with that because, you know, he's in the water. And he, he, you know, he, he's, got scales. he's got scales and just different things. And crocodiles don't really, you know, have, have no. scales. But um, this if we if talk about his scales and they're like male and all this, it's not, it can't be a crocodile. Yep. Right. But go, go a little bit further. This, this, does, this doesn't take into account uh, some of the description. Okay. Which is that he breathes out fire. Yep. I, I haven't seen a crocodile do that before. No. And so this is a strange creature. One that I think we can very um, clearly say doesn't exist anymore today, but this thing is tough. And not only that, but its belt, its belly is like very difficult, very hard. A crocodile's belly is not hard yep, like that. It's soft, hard and jagged. And then it says he spreads himself out. So this thing is big. And, and when you think about spreading out, it makes me even think of of wings. Honestly, when you read this description, it sounds like God is describing a dragon. And most people think this is a mythological creature doesn't exist. But here it seems like it very well could be a gigantic flying fire breathing lizard mm-hmm. which sounds kind of like a dragon but you know we could just call it a dinosaur yep and when we think about this that leads us to all sorts of other possibilities but this cannot be a crocodile yeah there's there's no way when you have the description too where god lays out like what man can fight this thing, right? Yeah. It says it, it laughs at javelins. Yeah. You can't, you can you're not going to be able to yeah. pierce it with a hook. And, you know, so we think now as uh, prideful mankind, we can tame about every animal out there. We can catch about anything. You see all the videos of people catching big sharks, crocodiles, whatever. This description is like, you, you can't do that. This thing is so big and powerful. Right. It fears nothing. Uh, this is not something that man can tame. And so uh, you, when you just picture that immense 
strength, power, and the fire breathing aspect of it, which is just insane to think about. Because again, yeah, that's that's what you think of a mythological creature. You yes. almost wonder if maybe this is where some of that mythological that that, that creature Mythology came from. Stuff. Yeah. yeah, and so and and the same thing with Behemoth. You know, it, it's just so powerful, people can't kill it. I've, I've watched swamp people even when it comes to crocodiles, they catch them on fish hooks. Yep, they shoot them with a twenty two in the head. They're dead. I mean, you can stab it. You, I mean, you can kill a crocodile. Yep, uh, pretty easily if you just have a weapon. But but here it's like this this thing is almost invincible. Yeah. So so we have a couple uh, very descriptive pictures of what we believe to be a couple of dinosaurs. Yeah, absolutely. And so the, the next thing we want to look at is is a Hebrew word that's used in this case, tanin. That's T A N N I N. And it's it's used 14 different times in the Old Testament, but this is one that really talks about this kind of beast. So, uh, Jack, you have a little bit more on that one. Yeah, so the King James version always translates the word dragon. Other translations like the ESV, NASB, NIV, they vary their interpretations and they will translate the word sometimes sea monster, sometimes great sea creature, sometimes serpent, sometimes dragon, and sometimes just monster. So what does the word really mean? That's that's the question. And the New American Standard Hebrew Dictionary defines it this way. The primary definition is dragon or dinosaur. Uh, the secondary uh, meaning could be sea or river monster. And then it gives a third or tertiary um, definition which is serpent or venomous snake. And, uh, snake. and, and let, let's just stick with that first one, dragon or, let's say, dinosaur. I, I personally believe the best translation of that word, Tanine, is, is dinosaur. Um, they didn't use that word. It was, it, it's more of a modern word, which is mm-hmm. why I believe it's you know, obviously not used in our translations. But in Genesis one twenty one, when we have creation, it says God created the great sea monsters. The word great sea monsters is tanin. Mm. And then Psalm 91, 13, uh, just, you know, one of the other definitions we see, it says, you will tread upon the lion and cobra, the young lion and the serpent, you will trample down. So same word used there as we see that serpent, yeah. serpent or venomous mm-hmm. snake one as well. Another example, Isaiah 27, 1, it says, in that day, the Lord will punish Leviathan. <laughs> Check this out. We'll punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent. And by the way, the word serpent there is not tanine. Uh, with his fierce and great and mighty sword, even Leviathan, the twisted serpent, and he will kill the dragon who lives in the sea. And the word dragon there is Tanin. And so what you see here is Leviathan is there with serpent, but we also know from uh, Genesis 3, and you'll get there, that serpent used to walk. Um, but also Leviathan is in the same term here as dragon, mm-hmm. or that word Tanin. And, and I do believe it's speaking of, of dinosaur. Genesis 3.14, again, this we see where it says the Lord said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed you more than all the cattle and every beast of the field on your belly, you will go. So the implication is there. Uh, the serpent used to walk around. And, and by the way, that's the same word, uh, tanin. And so I think it's, I think it's speaking of, of dinosaur. Yeah. Genesis three fourteen is enough for me to uh, not like snakes because uh, it, it used <laughs> yeah. to be Satan. And then he was cast down to have no legs to be a snake. So uh, that's enough for me. But uh, Revelation twelve nine and it says, and the great dragon was thrown down the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan. So just to kind of connect that point with Genesis three and the term a little bit. dragon, like yep. we see dragon in um, revelation and we think, you know, this just, when we see it there, we get the picture of the mythological creature. We're just like, well, the God uh, the Bible's just speaking in those terms, but I believe it's clear the Bible, there actually really was a creature that looked like this. Yeah. And, yeah. The Bible defined yeah. those terms uh, yeah. originally. Yeah. So uh, I think then the next question going forward is what were dinosaurs like, right? There, there's theories, you know, when, when now we look at archaeological evidence, we have 
fossils um, that scientists do their best to piece together into what these things would have looked like, how they would have acted. Uh, so we want to look at what the Bible would say about these dinosaurs starting right away in Genesis 1. Yeah, because what we've done so far is I think we've have shown that dinosaurs are definitely described yep. in Scripture, mentioned in Scripture, not by name. That that name, again, is a, is a, is a more modern term. It means great lizard, but they're definitely there. So does the Bible tell us anything like what they're like? And, and the answer is yes. Genesis uh, 1, 29 through 30 uh, says that, uh, Behold, I give you any, uh, every... Every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which has its fruit yielding for seed, it shall be food for you and for every beast of the earth and to every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth, which has life, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. So we, we read the descriptions in Job 40 mm-hmm. and 41. And we got a lot of descriptions, big, strong, huge, terrifying, terrifying yeah. creatures. So we have some description there. We have description, even fire breathing was yep. at least one of them. But we also see that when God created even them in the beginning, they were all herbivores, mm-hmm. which means all dinosaurs were originally herbivores. They did not eat meat. Yep. Now, we, we believe they did at some point, but they were created. They did not eat meat. It's very clear in Genesis 1 verse 30. It says, every living thing that moves on the ground, which has life, I have given green plants for food. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. You know, we yep. think about dinosaurs, we, 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 there was definitely meat-eating dinosaurs, you know, carnivores, and there, there, were, there were some herbivores and insectivores. And well, originally, God created them all herbivores. Yep. And then we see that change in Genesis 6, 12 through 13, where it says, God looked on the earth. Again, this, so this is post-fall now, which was Genesis 3. And behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Then God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I'm about to destroy them with the earth. Yeah, I mean, you read it. All flesh became corrupted. And so before the fall, they were all herbivores. After the fall, they became corrupted. And I think that's where we start seeing meat eating. And you see that violence, right? That violence, so then that, yes. that description now of specifically the Leviathan, really, that gets more of the terrifying yeah. thing. We, we see that as violent would be a word that we could describe that. We're seeing that post-fall yeah. um, of, of all mankind. So, I mean, think about it. Like, you know, when Adam's naming all the animals and they come by, I mean, a T-Rex could have come along and mm-hmm. just, you know, snacking on some, some fruit and uh, some leaves or something, some grass. And, uh, but now uh, T-Rex is violent yeah. and he's become corrupted. And so... This is definitely something that they, they, they changed after the fall, just like all of creation did. So we also see that many of them were large. Yeah. Right? So um, Genesis 5, that can be overlooked because it seems not that interesting because it's a genealogy. But I think genealogies are fascinating for, for multiple reasons. But in Genesis 5, we see the genealogy from Adam to Noah. And in that, people lived hundreds of years, some upwards of six, 700 years um, and so th- this was a long time and we, we have to assume people would not have aged the same way as they do now. Couldn't imagine how looking at our 80 year olds today and thinking, man, they got another 600 years to go in that body. That would be, <laughs> that would be kind of rough. Yeah. And if you imagine Noah was 120 years old, uh, when the ark was finished or did, or did it take him 120 years? To 100, go? Yeah, t- okay. So, so it took him that. So he, he was even older than that when he finished it. But, um, yeah, some guy who we'd see today as being 120 would not be able to build an ark. So, so people would have aged differently. 
But an interesting note from the Encyclopedia Britannica, it says this. Some large-bodied reptiles have what is known as indeterminate growth. Typically, rapid growth occurs in juveniles and slows as the individual approaches maturity and shifts its energy resources to reproduction. During most of the adult years, growth is either extremely slow or non-existent. However, when food resources are high, active growth can and often does occur. Thus, the size of an individual of, speci- of a species is only limited by its food supply and the longevity, or for the longevity of life. Right. So, basically, I mean, many of these dinosaurs are large. We, we, for example, the two that we have described in great detail, Behemoth, Leviathan, they mm-hmm. were large, right? Yep. And so, one of the things the Bible, I think, is doing, and one of the ways that we can see an explanation for their large size is what Encyclopedia Britannica is saying is they were large body, these large body reptiles. And it goes on and say that they, they have this intermediate growth where they can grow pretty, much, grow pretty much their entire lives. And according to scientists, crocodiles, snakes, sea turtles, they're all modern dinosaurs. I can't tell you how many times I've watched episodes of The Crocodile Hunter. Great show, by the way. Uh, their, their science is, is skewed, uh, but, great, but, <laughs> sure. great, but great show. And, and he will say, looking at cro- crikey, look at this croc right here. It's a modern dinosaur. Mm-hmm. You know, and so... Okay, it's a modern dinosaur. Why is he saying that? Because they believe they look in the genetics and everything else. These things descended from dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Well, if people live to be 600, 700, 800, 900 years old prior to the flood, and reptiles never stopped growing, some reptiles never stopped growing their entire lifespan, mm-hmm. this could explain the size of some of the dinosaurs that we see. Because it, not uh, most, I mean, most dinosaurs are small. Yep. But the giant ones that we see, when you think about it, think about a crocodile, you know, 25 foot long crocodile, which is huge. Yeah. That's a big right? croc. That's a huge croc. Let's say 20 foot crocodile could be 50, 60, 70 years old, right? Could you imagine one that's 700 years old? How big this thing would be? Yeah. With, with <laughs> access to abundant food, abundant right? Food because the because world ab- would have looked different. Yes. And, and so I think that those are easy assumptions to make. I think that's a hundred percent right. You know, like picturing a, a 900 year old snake or something yeah, like is a, like a, let's say a 750 year old Python. Yeah. How big would this thing be? You know what? If I saw a 700 year old Python, I'd be like, that's a dinosaur. Yeah. If, if, if I saw a crocodile that lived to be 900 years old. And so it was like. 80, 90 feet long, I'd be like, yep, that, that's a dinosaur. Yep. And, and so I think that when we look at some things that the Bible is describing on how long people lived before the flood, I believe this also, with the science that we know today, makes sense on why some of these creatures got so big. Yep. And then why we don't see them as much now, because as God put a limit on how old humans, but also I think just all of all of creation can be then naturally as, as sin keeps progressing generation to generation, yes. you're going to not see animals get that big. Yeah. I mean, I even read where uh, scientists are saying that chickens mm. are descendants of dinosaurs. Oh you know? yeah. Yep. Um, can you imagine a 600 year old chicken with that? <laughs> be, some, be some good meat. A lot of meat on that chicken. But, and, 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 you know, we get a lot of eggs. Yeah, yeah, that's that, a lot of eggs. The <laughs> lifetime egg production of that chicken is is crazy. So, uh, next question is: Is when did these dinosaurs live? Right, this is what I was getting back to at the beginning. Is it really depends on what theory you hold about how old the Earth is. We have our belief as more of a young Earth uh, that the Genesis account is literal that way, and you can go hear arguments for that. Um, so, looking at when dinosaurs lived and when God created them. 
and then what ultimately happened to them. And, and as I just talked about a little bit ago, but why, why we don't see them as much today. Right. Genesis 1, 20 and 21, uh, day five of creation. God says, let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures, living creatures, and let the birds fly above the earth and open the expanse of the heavens. God created the great sea monsters, the word Tanin, uh, and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed after their kind, every wing burned after its kind, God saw as good. So uh, we see them, they're created on day five. Yep. And then uh, just a few verses later in verse 24, it says, God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures, creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God saw that it was good. And that was day six of creation. So now we have all the land animals, all, you know, all shapes and sizes. So we got aquatic dinosaurs. We got land dinosaurs all created on day five and day six of creation. So when we see like Exodus 2011, it says in six days, the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And then he rested on the seventh. Uh, it's it's pretty clear. Um, dinosaurs were part of creation. And so they only, I mean, some of them were created the same day God created Adam. Mm-hmm. So they, they coexisted yep. with people. The question then, I guess, is if that's when they were living, when did they die out? Yeah. And I think Genesis 6 shows us that in verse 17 where God is talking about bringing the flood. And he says, behold, I, even I am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish. So everything, not just mankind talking the animals too. Yep. And the dinosaurs. Yep. And the dinosaurs that are, you know, as from, from their perspective, they weren't dinosaurs yet because they weren't extinct, right? They're just other (laughs) animals, right? You're not a dinosaur until you're extinct. So they, they were just animals. And then, Genesis 7, going forward a chapter in verse 21 to 23, it says, All flesh that moved on the earth perished, birds and cattle and beasts, and every swarming thing that swarms upon the earth, and all mankind, and all that was on the dry land, all in whose nostrils was the breath of the spirit of life, died. Thus he blotted out every living thing that was upon the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to the birds of the sky, and they were blotted out from the earth, and only Noah was left, together with those that were with him in the ark. So... Clearly everything, animals, people, dinosaurs that we know would have been wiped out there. But then the question is, right, because we knew with the ark, he brought on animals, two of every kind. So would that include the dinosaurs? Did they live on? And I think that's kind of the, the next natural question that we would look at. Yeah, and I, and I believe that they did. Um, yep. Genesis 6, 19 through 20, it says, and of every living thing of all flesh. I mean, that's pretty clear. Every living thing, yep. all flesh this would in, this would include dinosaurs it says you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you you shall they shall be male and female of the birds after their kind of the animals after their kind every creeping thing on the ground after its kind two of every kind will come to you for you to keep them alive and i think it's important for us to remember that a kind is a type of species so you don't have to have every single uh, type in the species but it's it's each species um, and so I think it's also important for us to remember when Job lived when thinking about this, because Job lived post-flood. Yep. Uh, in, in Job chapter one, when he loses his family and everything else, it lists two people groups, the Chaldeans and the uh, uh, Sabians. Sabians. Yeah, Sabians. Yeah, yep. And, and those two groups are post-flood groups because we didn't start getting people groups until the Tower of Babel. Genesis and, 11. Yep, yep. And we know that one of those groups, the Chaldeans, is descended from Ham. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so this is... 
he lived post flood and we have dinosaurs described in Job that he would have known what they were. God, so they definitely existed post flood. And I think the explanation for that again is uh, what Genesis six there said. And then Genesis seven, even where it says that every beast after its kind, all the cattle after its kind, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth after its kind, all sorts of birds, all these things will be brought to Noah. They came to Noah. They're with them on the ark. And so they did. They did. They did exist afterwards. Yeah. So to say every at least kind, some, at yeah, least yeah. Some, you know. So to say every kind, and then exclude what we know as dinosaurs, a major kind. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't really make sense. Yeah. But so so most most would have um, would have died in the flood. Yep. Um, but but some still lived after. So then, what about those? Yeah, that lived after. I think Genesis seven uh, again when talking about the flood in verse ten tells us it came about after the seven days that the water of the flood came upon the earth in the six hundredth year of Noah's life. In the second month, on the 17th day of the month, on the same day, all the fountains of the great deep burst open and the floodgates of the sky were open. The rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. So you have a radical change in what the earth looked like. You have it bursting open with water coming out. You have uh, basically flooding coming from the heavens above. This is like a storm that, praise God, he said he would never send again. And so, but you can just imagine the severity of this, especially when we know what one hurricane can do to a whole city. Right, what this would have done to the earth and the landscape would have been radical. Yeah, and and this is this is real climate change. Yep. You know, like we talk about climate change today. I mean, this is actual climate change. The King James talks about the floodgates in the heaven when God talks about that in in um, uh, Genesis one, where He separates the waters from the waters. There was water above, water beneath. Well, what does that mean? And King James calls that waters above the firmament. Mm-hmm. And so there was almost like a like another layer. Like we got the ozone layer. There was like an. Uh, aqua layer yeah. around the earth and uh here when the flood came that god opened that up and it poured down and that's where we get our seas and oceans and everything but there's so much water it covered the whole face of the earth mm-hmm. i mean everything was covered and so i believe um that firmament that was up above is what helped the dinosaurs live the climate was very different though after the flood and so many of them would have died out because if you remember we said uh reading that definition that these reptiles' growth and stuff is only limited by food supply yeah. and longevity of life. And we know God did something to change the longevity of life. Mm-hmm. And I believe that something may have been what he did as, as a result of the flood, that what brought about the flood, yep. changing the climate. And uh, on top of that, food supply would have been very different after the flood as well because when the water is covering the face of the earth for 120 days, I mean, everything's dying. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, dinosaurs eventually did... I believe die out the ones, the few, the few that did live, did not live for, I believe, a long time. However, some of them may still exist today, yep. just in fall, uh, far smaller stature, like a snake, yep. like a crocodile, yep. like a sea turtle. Yep. Species that were actually able to adapt because they're not yeah. adaptation is a true thing that yeah. species adapt based on where they are on the earth. Yep. So the, the, the dinosaurs to me are just animals that didn't adapt well. And yeah. they, they didn't make it and other ones did. And that's why they're not dinosaurs because they survived and we still yes. have them today. Yep. Right. So uh, just as, as we kind of finish up here, I think the last point then is why did God create the dinosaurs? Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so we've kind of gone through uh, proofs of them when they existed uh, and all that. But now why did God do it? And I think we can see that uh, in, in Psalm 148, uh, Jackie, you have a, a great verse just about this that really points to why God created them. Yeah. Uh, Psalm 148 verse seven and following. It says, praise the Lord from the earth, sea monsters. That's the word to mean uh, that we're saying, I believe means dinosaurs. So praise the Lord from the earth, dinosaurs, sea monsters in all deeps, fire and hail, snow and clouds, stormy 
when fulfilling his word, mountains and hills, fruit trees and cedars, beasts and all cattle, creeping things and winged fowl, kings of the earth, all peoples, princes and judges of the earth, both young men and virgins, old men and children, let them, and I just added including dinosaurs, praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted, his glory is above earth and heaven. So the dinosaurs were created by God to praise God, just like the rest of creation was. Yeah. That was ultimately it. Why did he make them that way? Because he wants to and because he's God and he can, and it brings so much glory to him and the the creativity that's behind, as we see that description of the behemoth and the Leviathan that we can't even, we can just try to imagine. But God did that because he can, and that ultimately brings glory to him and designed all of creation with that desire to bring him glory. Yeah, because, I mean, again, they're just listed, the dinosaurs, the sea monsters, the the teen are just listed with things like clouds, storms, wind, mountains, hills, fruit trees, all these things, beasts and people, God created them to praise him. And then the other reason, again, is that God created them to show us, as you said, his glory, his power, his might. Because if you go to Job 42, Job 40, Job 41, have descriptions of dinosaurs. Mm -hmm. And God is saying, Job, take a look at these. Yep. You see these? You see how big they are? I'm their master. I'm the one that created them. I am bigger than they are. I am greater than they are. And so in Job 42, when Job hears God talk about this and says, look at these things, that's what God uses to bring Job to repentance and ultimately bring glory to God because he says in, in, in Job 42 verse 1, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I did not understand. These things are too wonderful for me. I did not know. Here now, I will speak. I will ask you because you instruct me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I retract and I repent in dust and ashes. Mm. So they pointed to the glory and majesty of God. And Job's response is, I repent. Lord, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I see how great you are. I'm returning to you. Yeah, what a beautiful, what a beautiful picture there of God's uh, majesty and ultimately bringing repentance. Through dinosaurs. Yeah, through dinosaurs. <laughs> so as, as we summarize this whole thing, I think dinosaurs are a fascinating part of God's creation, and we very much believe that dinosaurs and humans coexisted. They were created on days five and six of creation with all the other aquatic creatures and the land animals. The flood killed and fossilized the, uh, fossilized the vast majority of the dinosaurs, We don't know exactly why the rest of the dinosaurs that went extinct did, but a huge climate change post-flood would have impacted many of the animal species coming out of the ark, and some just wouldn't have made it for long. It's clear that dinosaurs were created for God's glory, and majestic beasts that we still research today absolutely bring him glory. There's obvious debate around dinosaurs on the age of the earth and how old they are, but we'd encourage you to start with a biblical perspective first and allow that to shape your view on the existence of dinosaurs rather than taking a secular science at face value and trying to fit the Bible into that. The Creation Museum, for example, was created to prove the biblical points that we've made today using science and archaeology. I've been there. Fascinating thing. Now they have Noah's Ark display. I still want to see that one. But another documentary that we would highly recommend, it's called Is Genesis History? You can actually find it for free on YouTube. Uh, And it interviews multiple scientists in various areas that seek to prove that the book of Genesis is indeed history. And within that, there's even greater proofs for the coexistence of dinosaurs and mankind. Now, we only need the Bible to prove this through faith, but we're also thankful that God has given us other ways, 
like verifiable science to see proof of his creation as well. So that concludes today's show. Thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate your support. Go ahead, ask us more questions. We'd love to get some of your questions on the show. God bless, and we'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the 1717 Podcast. If you have any questions, please connect with us on Twitter or email us at 1717pod at gmail.com.